It's the Chronicles of Aguna, and we're UEFA Europa League semi-finalists. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. Cheers to you all because Arsenal are UEFA Europa League semi-finalists. Brilliant performance, professional performance. Everybody was, was brilliant on the night. The manager's selection worked. The players executed his plan perfectly. They deserve credit too. You know, it's very easy to... Look at the players and and dig them out when when Arsenal don't perform and Arsenal don't win. But tonight they were excellent, every single one of them. So they deserve plenty of praise. Welcome to the post match reaction show. We're going to be dissecting uh, what we saw unfold in front of our eyes in the game in Prague this evening, and then of course tomorrow we'll be bringing you our tactical analysis in which we look into it in a little bit more detail once I've had time. To watch the game back again, I'll pick out some key points from what Mikel Arteta's team did this evening, what I thought worked well and uh, what I thought maybe didn't work so well. And we'll be uh, we'll be discussing all of that. Very hard to find a negative, though, I'd imagine, in what was, quite frankly, a flawless performance. Let's be honest. Arsenal were fantastic um, and I'm absolutely buzzing. And you know what's incredible is that following the first leg, Myself and Mike, we sat on here and we talked about the fact that this tie was not over. We talked about the fact that Arsenal were still the favourites to go through. We talked about the fact that Arsenal were a far, are a far superior side to Slavia Prague. And it was met with such negativity. And not just not just here, not just, you know, in, in any specific, like not just in, I, I mean, in general, it was th- this negativity was following Arsenal around off the back of that first leg. And I've done quite a bit of media work over the last week and, and any time I've said that I back Arsenal to go through and I feel that Arsenal are still a better side and Arsenal st- should still qualify, I was told I must be on the source. I was told um, I'm being too optimistic. The reality is that it was clear from the first leg that Arsenal were the far superior side. It was as clear as day that we had far greater quality. We had far greater balance to our side. And those who dug out the manager off the back of the first leg were just being were just being picky and were just simply, uh, you know, rolling all their frustration from what's been undoubtedly a really disappointing Premier League campaign and sort of throwing it in Mikel Arteta's direction off the back of that result. But ultimately, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, um, you know, he set up the team in the first leg to create chances not to concede chances. We got done by a sucker punch. Players switched off. Tonight, again, he set up the team perfectly. And more often than not, the cream rises to the crop. The quality shines through and Arsenal's quality shone through tonight. So we're going to be discussing some individual performances. Obviously, this means now that we face 
Unai Emery's Villarreal in the next round, which is, of course, going to be a really interesting tie now, uh, given his history with the club. Um, but I guess a good omen is the last time we met Villarreal in a semi-final. We won. Uh, and that was back in our run to the 2006 UEFA Champions League final. So maybe that's a good omen. Who knows? Um, but this is Unai Emery's competition, right? And even if it didn't work out for him at Arsenal, he still took Arsenal to the final of this competition. He's, I think, won this competition more than any other manager and and deserves respect. Let's Let's get that straight. Let's go through the team. Let's discuss uh, the side that Mikel Arteta selected. And I talked about it in the lead up to the game today. I didn't want to see um, the Xhaka experiment at left back. I, I was really sort of keen on on just sort of persisting with Cedric and, and thought that we would cope better that way. And I was worried about potentially unsettling us in multiple positions by making that switch around, by moving Xhaka out of the midfield. I feared the worst because he's been so, so important in that position uh, for Arsenal over the last few months. But credit to Danny Ceballos, who, um, you know, who has been a little bit of a curse in this competition so far this season. You know, he's made mistakes at key moments. He's cost us goals in the competition. But fair play to Danny Ceballos because I thought he turned in a really, really good display again today. Uh, Pablo Marie uh, was excellent. And I talked about that in the build up to the game as well. It's not so much, um, you know, it's not so much that I that I was against Gabriel or that I don't rate Gabriel. I just feel like Holding and Marie is a better partnership. We've seen that uh, time and time again. The pair just complement each other perfectly. And that showed again tonight. Massive shout out to Callum Chambers as well, uh, who was solid again. Uh, got forward quite effectively as well and deserves a lot of praise because since he's returned from injury and, and sort of forced his way back into contention, he's been really, really good. Um, but of the back line, and, and the back line had a relatively easy night, let's be honest. Uh, but of the back line, and you're, you're not going to be surprised to hear that the one I want to single out for praise is Granit Xhaka because he is a player who is often ridiculed by our fan base. He's a player who has an undeniable importance to this side. We talked about the open mic thing that Arsenal did um, sort of during the Sheffield United game where you can hear Granit Xhaka's every word. You can, you know, you can kind of follow him through the game, which was fantastic and a real good insight as to how much of a leader he is. But for him, a player who's not particularly mobile to switch into the left back position and do it so easily and so comfortably for pretty much the second game running now, I think is a testament to him as a professional, it's a testament to his adaptability and it shows you how much trust and faith Mikel Arteta has in him. The fact that he picks him in those positions and, and doesn't have concerns about him being able to do it. He, he's tactically uh, improved dramatically, I would say, over the last six months or so. He, he picks up the right areas of space. He, um, you know, he reads the game a lot better than he did and he's cut that rashness out of his play. And and you have to use all of those kind of skills to be able to adapt positions. And he did exactly that tonight. So fair play to Granit Xhaka for doing that. I've already praised Danny Sabas, who I thought was really good. But again, Thomas Partey for me really stood out. And I think we're starting to see now the Thomas Partey that we've been waiting for. 
I was talking about it with a friend um, just a few days ago, and and we talked about the fact that you know Thomas Partey probably needs a bit more time to to find his feet at Arsenal to get up to speed with the Premier League, and and we'll probably see the best of Thomas Partey next season. And my point, sort of counteracting that, was, well, you know, when you sign somebody at Thomas Partey's age, twenty seven, twenty eight years old, for forty five million pounds, you don't really have time to hang about and for that signing to come good. You you need it to work immediately. And finally now, I think in the last couple of weeks, we've started to see Thomas Partey getting a grip on games, dominating midfields in the way we know he can. And he did that again tonight. So I, I thought he was brilliant. I want to give a massive shout out to Emil Smith-Rowe, who was my man of the match this evening. I thought uh, Emil Smith-Rowe was, was incredible. I thought his touches were brilliant. I thought his awareness of spaces his movement was clever um and his feet were fantastic when he got into certain positions i mean obviously he scored a goal that was was chalked off correctly in the end uh, having just straight offside after bukayo saka's shot uh, came crashing off the post but then the footwork from Emil Smith-Rowe in the build-up to Nicola Pepe's goal was was sensational. He had a shot initially, it was blocked, it came back to him and he sort of rolled the ball through the defender's legs and, and the touch and the presence of mind and the composure in such difficult situations, um, particularly at a time when he just had a goal ruled out, when Arsenal were, uh, you know, sort of in the hunt and to, to stay that composed, I thought was was remarkable and, and, and Emil Smith-Rowe was, was fantastic. And also, he played a massive part in in the second goal as well, um, in the winning of the penalty, because what he does, and, and we talked about it during the watch along, we talked about it before kickoff. We talked about the fact that what Emil Smith-Rowe gives you is he gives you the ability to interchange with the wingers, to allow Bukayo Saka to drift in field and pick up those half spaces. And for him to go out on the right or to go out on the left is not an issue. You know, Emil Smith-Rowe, when he gets in those wide positions, he's so good at pulling the ball back to the right player and he's so good at wrong footing the defenders and even in that instance you know you're looking at him there he receives the ball on the right hand side and you think he's going to roll it across to Alexander Lacazette you think he might if failing that roll it back to Nicola Pepe but instead he rolls it back to Bukayo Saka who's in that inside channel and goes on to win the penalty for Arsenal. Alexander Lacazette you know he got he obviously got on the score sheet um, at the weekend which was great and, you know, put those demons that sort of were following around, following him around off the back of that Slavia Prague home leg. He put that to bed at the weekend. But to do it tonight in a high pressured environment against the side who you missed those chances against, against the side who threatened to dump us out of the competition, against the side who celebrated at the final whistle um, at the Emirates Stadium last week as though they'd won the competition. I think is a testament to, to Alexander Lacazette's character as well, because he stepped up from the spot, gave it a little shimmy in the run-up and uh, slotted it past the goalkeeper, sent him the wrong way. Uh, so really, really good stuff, um, you know, from uh, from Alexander Lacazette. And of course, he added a second goal later on uh, when he sort of created the space for himself, having received the ball inside the penalty area and just snuck one inside the near post with his left foot. So brilliant display from him. Bukayo Saka was really, really good. Um, and, and, you know, we know Bukayo Saka can be really, really good. But I thought in recent weeks, Bukayo Saka 
struggle to be clinical and struggle to make the right decisions in the final third. However, uh, tonight that was that was not an issue, not an issue whatsoever. Um, he got into good positions frequently, and when he got into those positions, he used the ball brilliantly this evening. I really enjoyed his goal, um, and I enjoyed his goal because I think for me. The fact that he finished it the way he did shows incredible composure. And what I mean by that is it's very easy in that position to let instinct kick in. And instinct would be, as a left-footed player, once you've cut inside, would be to go for the far post and try and bend it into the far corner or strike it powerfully into the far corner. But I think the fact that Emil, Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka had the presence of mind having cut inside and created the space to... Give the goalkeeper the eyes and then drag it inside the near post, leaving the goalkeeper rooted to the spot, I think shows incredible composure. I made the comparison to Harry Kane in the um, in the watch along. It's not because I think Bukayo Saka plays like Harry Kane or anything like that. Um, and I don't really want to make comparisons with Spurs players. But that kind of finish is something that Harry Kane has become quite renowned for cutting inside and just dragging it inside the near post. And for me, to do that shows incredible composure. And and Harry Kane does it because Harry Kane is a goal scorer. And Harry Kane has been in goal scoring position so frequently that for him, you know, it's almost like a it's almost like a, a normal thing being in that high pressured position and, and cutting in field. That's what Harry Kane does. So to see Alexander Lacazette, who isn't Alexander Lacazette, but I'm getting all confused. I've been on the beer tonight to see Bukayo Saka cut inside and have the presence of mind to finish that way and then execute it. I think is a, is is brilliant and um, you know he's shown incredible maturity again. Uh, came out to speak to the media after the game as well. Loved the way that he, he thanked God straight away. Uh, for, I love that modesty um, from Bukayo Saka and I love that sort of innocence that he brings to the table because I don't think this kid quite realises just how good a footballer he really is. Nicola Pepe was another one who was fantastic um, tonight. He worked extremely hard down that left-hand side. He took on his man when he got the opportunity, obviously uh, was composed enough to take his opportunity when it came along. Um in front of goal after some great work from Emil Smith-Rowe. If you watch it again, you wonder if Pepe go, should go down. He doesn't. He stays on his feet. And then again, he has the presence of mind not to allow the goalkeeper to smother him, but to just step to the left-hand side and just create that extra angle. Once the goalkeeper's committed to going to the ground, the minute you take that step to the left, you've you've created a space for yourself and he, and he finished it expertly. Uh, so really, really uh, great performance all round. I didn't agree um, with the initial selection. I wasn't outraged when I saw it and I wasn't angry when I saw it and I wasn't disappointed when I saw it. But when I did my preview podcast earlier on in the day, it's not the selection I made. I went with Pepe. I went with Saka. I went with Laka. I went with Emil Smith-Rowe behind. Um, I went with uh, Partey. I went with Xhaka, I went with Holding, I went with Marie, I didn't go with Chambers and I didn't go, um, you know, with, with Ceballos. But he, Mikel Arteta got it right and you, you can't take that away from him. You know, 
he will receive criticism when he gets it wrong and he will die by his decisions. But tonight, his decisions were absolutely spot on. So fair play to, to Mikel Arteta. You could see from the first minute he was pumped. Um, and, you know, he needs this. He needs this because he needs this to fend off the Wolves just for a little bit longer. The, the Wolves need to stay back and allow him to do his job and to complete the task that he set out to do here at the Emirates Stadium, which is restore Arsenal back to being a UEFA Champions League club. And I appreciate that our season so far has been disappointing. I appreciate our league position is far from acceptable. But what I would say is this, give him a chance whilst he could still get us in the Champions League. And winning this competition would give us that very opportunity. We face Villarreal in the next round, who are a good side, but are by no means unbeatable. We could potentially face Roma in the semi-final. Uh, sorry, in the final. Rome, Roma, sorry, are not unbeatable. Manchester United aren't even unbeatable. Yeah, they're a fair way ahead of us uh, in the in the Europa League. Uh, sorry, in the Premier League as things stand. But Mikel Arteta versus Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Got a pretty good record, uh, Mikel Arteta. In fact, I'm going to have a look at it now because I just want to confirm my suspicion um, off the top of my head that his record against Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is pretty good. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, record against Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, play three, one, two, drawn one, lost none. So you you got to take confidence from that as well. You know, that there, there are so, that we've got a lot going for us still in this competition. Yeah, the Premier League is a bit of a, you know, we still stand a chance and you want Arsenal to finish the season on the high. Um, and, and hopefully we do take all three points against Fulham at the weekend. But this competition poses the big opportunity for Arsenal. It poses the opportunity for Mikel Arteta, um, you know, to, to, to salvage what's been a really bad campaign, to right the wrongs of before Christmas and get us, uh, get us back where we belong. And that is in the Champions League promised land. Uh, big hello to everybody in the live chat box. Hope you're all well. Um, I'm absolutely delighted tonight. Really, really happy. Really pleased with the performance. Um, I said after the first leg, there was no need for a meltdown. And um, I've been proved right. Wasn't the only one that said it, and I'm not going to claim to have been. But, you know, we need to get out of this. Um, we need to get out of this mode of, you know, of overreacting after every single individual result. And we need to look at the bigger picture. We need to understand that that things aren't the way we want them at Arsenal, that there's a lot of work to be done and that it might take time before we get to something closer to what we want to be. But the overreactions aren't helpful. And I take even more pleasure in the result tonight because of that overreaction. And I don't want to feel like that. I don't want to be winning games. And my first thought being, well, that'll teach all you assholes who didn't back the team, or that will teach all you lot who have been so negative over the last week or so, you know, and, and I'm not saying that people who have an opinion on Mikel Arteta that differs to mine are assholes or, or anything like that. But the point here is that I, I can't deal with the negativity and the negativity isn't helpful. It does filter through. 
Don't believe that players don't look at social media. Don't believe that players don't read the papers. If we were famous people, if we were celebrities, we would read what is written about us. We would, the curiosity would take over. So there is an element of that, right? Let's not, um, let's not pretend that it doesn't filter through. Listen, if you've got a different view, that's fine. But the point here is that particularly in a two-legged tie, particularly in one that was as finely balanced as this, i.e., yes, Slavia had a lead, but it was by no means an unassailable one. It was by no means a scoreline that was fatal for Arsenal. In that case, in that instance, that's when you need to chill out. That's when you need to get behind the team, support the team and forget all about uh, the first leg. It didn't go the way it was planned. But how many people thought we were going to go and uh, and batter a team who hadn't lost at home in two years? So the point here is that football can change very quickly. Um, and Arsenal on their day, this even this Arsenal side, on their day, can beat most teams. And a performance like this proves that and a performance like this should remind us that we shouldn't write our team off when we're faced with a slightly different challenge or a challenge that is slightly more difficult than we hoped it would be yeah we didn't want to you know we didn't want to lo- we didn't want to draw the first leg we didn't want to concede an away goal in the dying stages but we did and having done that, there's no point crying over spilt milk. You've got to get on and put it right. And Arsenal put it right. So credit where credit is due. Where are we doing on the likes? How are we looking on the likes right now? Let's see uh, how we're doing. Don't forget, if you haven't done so already, please do smash the like button. It really, really does help uh, the video. Uh, we have got 50 likes at the moment, but there's over 300 and 24 of you watching us right now so we can at least surely get up to 200 likes between now and the end of the video so make sure if you haven't done it already you do hit the like button don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new we're fast approaching 13k on youtube and want to get there as soon as possible so please do subscribe if you're new and if you want to become a member click on the link in the description um and uh, you can find out what that's all about and decide if you wish to sign up Anybody got any questions? Chuck them in the chat. Get your questions in. Let's have a discussion. Let's have a little bit of a debate for around about the last 10, 15 minutes of the post-match reaction show. Um, You know, it it isn't as analytical uh, as tomorrow's one will be um, because I'm still buzzing. I'm still pleased. I'm still happy. um, And I'm kind of going through this on sort of adrenaline at the moment because quite frankly an arsenal match day is is shattering for me um let's uh, let's go over to the chat omar says uh mari and holding have been keeping clean sheet after clean sheet is that the partnership for you moving forward i don't know that it's the partnership that i want to see um week in week out moving forward but what I would say is it's a partnership that works and it's a partnership that sees them complement one another. I think that Gabriel and David Luiz is just as good a partnership because those two complement one another. But I think Pablo Marie and Holding complement one another. So what I mean by that is you can't, you can't put Holding and Gabriel and you probably can't put David Luiz and Pablo Marie. I don't think that works. 
So you need to do it in a way um, that sees one player get the best out of another. Partnerships are massively underrated and undervalued in football. Um, you know, you see it in, in plenty of areas, but it's particularly important, I think, in midfields and in the heart of defences. So um, I'm not sure that I want them to play every single week going forward in the seasons to come. But I do think that they give us a better balance than Gabriel and Holding or Louise and Marie or Louise and Holding. Um, but, you know, with, with David Louise's future up in the air, this could be the partnership moving forward. And if it was, I wouldn't be disappointed because on evidence that we've seen so far, they're pretty damn good together. Uh, moving forward, let's see uh, what you guys are saying. Uh, Graham Beecroft says, uh, never seen you so happy, H. Brilliant to see you. Thank you, man. Um, always brilliant when the Arsenal get a uh, win and particularly one of that nature. One of our members, Sergei, says, would Oba or Odegaard be included when fit? It's interesting because I thought the front line tonight had plenty of balance. I thought, it, in fact, I thought it had the perfect balance. I think when you play Lacazette and you've got the two wide men with plenty of industry, plenty of pace, um, something that Lacazette, quite frankly, lacks. And also, you know, when Lacazette drops that little bit deeper, having Pepe and Saka, who are capable of running in behind, but doing it from a slightly wider starting position, i.e. coming in diagonally, diagonally, diagonally in behind Lacazette, um, it is useful as well. Odegaard's a top, top player and Odegaard in the side brings us so much. And, and I would pick him in the side if he was fit. Um, what does that mean for Emil Smith-Rowe? I think Emil Smith-Rowe was so good tonight and I think he has been so good when he's played that he will I would probably shoehorn him in maybe on either side in the event that Odegaard is fit. I don't know. I know I'm contradicting myself because I said that the front line had the perfect balance. It's a tough one, but of course, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Martin Odegaard. You know, I've been quite confident and uh, about the possibility of signing him uh, on a permanent deal, but we don't know if that's going to be possible necessarily just yet. So, you know, to see Emil Smith-Rowe step into that position and do equally as good, if not a better job tonight, was fantastic. When it comes to Aubameyang, I'm sorry to say it, I really like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as an individual player, as a striker. Um, wish him all the best, of course, because we learned this evening that he's contracted malaria and he's been in hospital, which would explain, wouldn't it, why he's, why he's been out with illness and why, even when fit, he's maybe not been selected. Perhaps there was a, you know, an understanding that he wasn't at peak condition without knowing it was malaria. So there was that. Um, and also, you know, it kind of dispels all the rumours about him falling out with Mikel and that's why he wasn't part of the team. So obviously I wish Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang all the best. I really do. Speedy recovery, all of that stuff. But I can't help but believe that without him, this team has a greater balance. I talked about playing wingers in the wide positions and shoehorning Aubameyang in on the left it is very different and it does disrupt the balance. I mean, we got away with playing Xhaka at left-back tonight because Nicola Pepe did so much work, worked back so frequently. That's something that he's added to his game. So, Aubameyang in that position does disrupt the balance of the side. And, and look, the reality is that in terms of his overall centre-forward play, he clearly doesn't bring to the table 
what Mikel Arteta is after. It's obvious that Lacazette brings more of that. Can make the case that Aubameyang is a better finisher, more clinical finisher. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're more balanced without him. And, and that's that's the reality of it. As I said, I said it during the watch-along, if the right offer came in this summer for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I'm taking it. I'm cashing in. Um, because, first of all, you know, we've protected his value by giving him that contract, which is obviously good because it's something that Arsenal have been guilty of not doing in previous years and ultimately paying the price for that. So tying him down on that contract was not a mistake, but it could be time now to, to move on from him. Uh, Alex Akundi says, would you take Mateus Cunha instead of Odegaard? Not sure. Not um, I, I haven't seen a lot of, of Mateus Cunha, but what I have seen, I wasn't as impressed as, as sort of, the kind of rhetoric going around about him. Maybe that's because I don't watch enough Bundesliga. I accept that. Um, but no, uh, not not based on my knowledge of the two players. Uh, what else have we got here in the live chat? Um, uh, Inter says, uh, do you find it a bit strange that the club didn't say anything about Aubameyang earlier? Yeah, maybe. But I guess... Maybe the player didn't want to share it. I don't know, honestly, but it's a good point and it's one to think about. You'd have thought that they would have said it to almost quash all the rumours about this falling out uh, between him and, uh, you know, and Mikel Arteta. So it would have been the prime opportunity to kind of put that narrative to bed by just admitting what what was actually going on. But perhaps Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang didn't want to share it. Uh, I, I guess we will never know. But yeah, it, when, now that you say it, it does sound a little bit strange, doesn't it? Uh, this is a good question from Alex. Uh, who is the best right back at the club right now? I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Callum Chambers is making uh, quite the case uh, for himself. I still think that Callum Chambers at times as a fullback just doesn't look quite natural there. He, he looks a bit awkward. But he's getting forward and he's creating things and he's putting good balls into the penalty area. He's shown he's got the legs to get up and down the touchline. But he's also added a defensive stability to our right-back position. You know, he he wasn't very good in the opening stages of the game against West Ham. He, He then came into the game and obviously got a couple of, I think, was it a couple of assists? He, you know, he really contributed in the final third. But from a defensive standpoint, in the early stages of that match, he wasn't very good. And that's why I was a little bit unsure. I'm still not sure that when tested by top, top wide forwards that he would be able to cut the mustard. But he's he's performed well again tonight. And for that, he deserves credit. I still think that it's probably, it's probably Cedric at right back. But it's, there's not much in it between him and Bellerin for me. Um, Cedric at left back hasn't looked quite right, but I think at right back, whenever he's played there, he's looked really, really good. So um, I'd put Cedric just as number one and then I'd put um, Bellerin sort of in a close second. But obviously there is something about Callum Chambers that Mikel Arteta really likes. Perhaps it's his attitude, perhaps it's his work rate, uh, perhaps it's what he's seen from him in training, but he's obviously giving him game time at the moment. Um for a reason. So, uh, yeah, it, it's good to have competition, right? Whatever the position is, it's great to have competition. Uh, big hello to Dave Hills, one of our members. Uh, thank you, Dave, for your continued support of the channel. He says, hi, Harry. I'm 77 years of age 
been a gooner for 60. We're going through a transition. Trust the manager. I've been through this a few times. We will come back and be a top team. There you go. Some wise words from Dave, who's followed the Arsenal for 60 years. So um, he talks about transition. He talks about the change. He talks about the need to trust in the manager. And I agree with him completely. I think this almost this Arsene Wenger generation of Arsenal fans, and I'm one of them, have been spoiled. We've been so spoiled that we've never really known what it's been like to not only not win trophies for a period of time, but to not even be at the top table of English football. And we're going through that transition now. And, you know, fingers crossed, we can come out of it as soon as possible. But yeah, fa- uh, f- wise words from Dave. Wise words indeed. Um, What else have we got here? Uh, Dominic says, uh, Harry, with Mikel appearing to be playing Partey with two number eights in front of him, do you see a future in replacing Sabas with Odegaard and, repl- and playing him next to Emil Smith-Rowe? Oh, I, t- I keep saying this. I don't want to fall into the trap of liking Danny Sabayos again because I fell into that trap at the back end of last season. We signed him again and he he's blown hot and cold all season. I know you can say that of a few players in this Arsenal squad. So it's not, you know, something that's exclusive to Danny Sabayos, but you know, if he's available for a cut price fee, then I would consider keeping him as an option. But I'm not willing to see Arsenal pay 20, 25 million for him. And I'm still not sure about him because, as I say, he blows hot and cold. And he does this, doesn't he, Danny Sabayos? He makes you fall in love with him again. And then he breaks your heart and and disappoints you and lets you down. So I, I don't want to get into that sort of thing of, of getting carried away with him just yet. But I... Mm, no, I, I don't think... I don't think he's he's got a future at Arsenal. I think he'll be gone in the summer. I really do. Big hello to Craig Scott over at the same old Arsenal podcast. Make sure you check out the guys. Uh, give them a subscribe and uh, check out all the great shows. There was one earlier today, if I'm not mistaken. Craig, let me know in the chat. Check it out. He says, hello, mate. Great result. What do we do with Lacazette now? He's our top scorer. Should we offer him an extension? I'd say the same thing, Craig, about Lacazette that I said about Danny Sabayos. He's really important to the team right now, but he's also been through patches like this before where we've thought there was an upturn and then he's sort of declined again. The problem with Lacazette is the contract situation is very precarious at the moment. He'll be going into his final year and where we're talking about the situation of, you know, not uh, sort of allowing players' contracts to run down and ultimately having to watch them walk away on a free a decision has to be made with Alexander Lacazette now. I would probably offer him an extension because I like his attitude. I like his character. I like his persona. I think that the young players have benefited from having Alexander Lacazette around. But equally, that offer would be on the club's terms. It should be an offer that suits the club, i.e. in terms of the salary, in terms of the length of the contract, rather than the club being sort of backed into a corner by the fact he scored a few goals this season and having to fork out on another big contract on a player who will be the wrong side of 30 very soon. So 
I, again, similarly to Sabas, I don't want to get sucked into that whole Lacazette thing and sort of have the wall pulled over my eyes. But he was certainly brilliant tonight. He was certainly very good at the weekend against Sheffield United. And he's certainly been better this season than he has been in a couple of seasons, actually. Um, and the fact that he's the club's top scorer right now. Uh, OK, Aubameyang's going for a difficult period. But for me, um, you know, Lacazette deserves credit for what he's currently uh, outputting. Disappointing display in the first leg, but more than made up for it tonight. Uh, Brendan says, who was your man of the match tonight? Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe for me, as I said a little bit earlier on, I just thought he gave us that uh, bit of extra quality in the final third, provided the X factor. Um, unlucky to have a goal chalked off. He was just marginally offside, but great feat in the lead up to Pepe's goal. His wonderful passing field picked out Saka to win the penalty, which added Arsenal second. Um, and so, uh, yeah, Emil Smith-Rowe for me, Ran out of legs a little bit towards the end and went off pretty early, but we've come to expect that now, haven't we? Uh, from uh, from Emil Smith Rowe, he seems to be a 65 70 minute player. Uh, <laughs> big hello to Rangers Easy OK, uh, Rangers fan who says, All right, Harry, on behalf of all of us, fantastic result tonight, destroying that horrible football club. All the best, a big shout out to you as well, and uh, congratulations on winning the uh the Scottish Premiership title because it was much deserved and long overdue. And thankfully, um, you managed to to prevent Celtic, well, from your point of view, I'm not a Rangers fan, but thankfully from your point of view, you managed to prevent Celtic uh, making it 10 in a row. So great season for you and uh, happy to have, uh, to have put that right uh, with regards to Slavia at Prague. Big hello to Thomas in the chat. Haven't seen you for a while, Thomas. He says, let's go Arsenal. Pepe is the man. Absolutely. Um, what else have we got? Let's pick out a couple more uh, comments and questions. I don't want to get too deep into the Emery thing, right? Because we're going to do a podcast previewing that Villarreal game. We're going to bring on a La Liga expert. We're going to deep dive into how Villarreal season's gone so far. And on that episode, we'll talk uh, a little bit more about this upcoming semi-final tie. Tonight's all about enjoying the win. It's all about enjoying the performance. It wasn't just a win, but it was a win that was convincing. It was a win that we all thoroughly enjoyed. And it was great uh, to see that when Arsenal are at the top of their game, when Arsenal, um, you know, execute a game plan properly, when they can cut out the individual mistakes, Arsenal are, are capable of going away from home on the continent and pulling out results, even when at a disadvantage going into the second leg. So um, massive, massive news. Uh, what else have we got? Um, let's see. Uh, Nithin makes a really good point. He says, Pepe on the left is a different player, isn't he? I think he's been really good every time he's played on the left this season. And, uh, and, and so I think Nithin makes a really, really good point. I think he can do damage from the right as well, because we know that Nicola Pepe is, is very left-footed and he likes to drift in. But there was somebody, was it Michane? Is Michane in the chat? Um, who pulled me up earlier on when I talked about the um, the idea of Nicola Pepe drifting slightly in field from the left and playing in that half space. Michane, go and have a look at where Nicola Pepe scored his goal from tonight. That's the exact position I was talking about. Not completely in field, in the half space and still using his left foot. It doesn't mean that because you're left-footed. Um, 
you can't cut inside from the left. You can still do it and you can still create the angle for yourself to shoot. And he did exactly that. So that was exactly what I was talking about. And Nicola Pepe, thank you for demonstrating that uh, this evening as well. Um, Pat Moyles says, um, it's the business end of the season. Let's hope it mirrors last season and we win this thing. Absolutely. I think we're going to leave it there. Um, I think we're going to leave it there. I think I'm going to get off to bed. Got plenty of work to be doing tomorrow as well in reaction to the game. It's been a very busy, long day, but a successful day with Arsenal. Booking their place in the last four of the UEFA Europa League. Villarreal are our next opponents, managed by Unai Emery. So bring it on. Uh, fingers crossed uh, we can uh, we can get through there. Texas Gunner says, Harry, chug your beer. Do it for AFC. I don't even think it's that much. Here we go. There you go, Texas Gunner, especially for you. There you go. Right, going to leave it there. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the like button on your way out. As I always say, it's very, very important. If you're interested in becoming a member, then click on the link in the description. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Help us hit that 13K mark as soon as possible. I'll catch you all tomorrow with the tactical analysis of uh, of the win over Slavia Prague. And then we'll start our build-up to the weekend's game where we take on Fulham in the Premier League. Good night, everybody. Bid you farewell. If you're listening on the audio, good morning. Hope you're all good too. Catch you all soon. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.